John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said, you should probably be able to quote this with me by now. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. That is the word of the Lord for this church, this body of believers, which includes those of you watching online and the people who are a part of this congregation from all over the world. That's what the Lord spoke to us coming out of 2020 into 2021. He said, just like 2020 is coming to an end, so is sickness and disease. And we laughed about this together and I still hear it. And you do too. People in the last days and weeks and months of of last year where I just can't wait for this year to be over. I just can't wait for 2020 to be gone forever. And I understand it was a challenging year to say the least, but you just want to tell people, you do know there's nothing magical, right? About flipping a calendar page. You understand that, don't you? And I don't think people did. I think they fully expected that at at the, the stroke of midnight, from December 31st going into January 1st that COVID would be out of here and that all the political turmoil and all the strife in the streets would be gone. How's that theory working out? (laughs) It's not, that that doesn't change anything. Spiritual things aren't changed in the natural realm. And everything we dealt with last year, every, every bit of it had a spiritual root with a spiritual force behind it. And if you want to stop its effect in your life, you got to get into the spirit and deal with it there, not in the natural, in the spirit. And what the Lord spoke to us was just as the years come into a close, he used that as a picture, as an image to say, so is sickness and disease in your life. He said, it's the end of sickness and disease. And what? Help me out. Who remembers the beginning of life more abundantly? We've talked quite a bit about this and it wasn't like we said, just because the year ended, but the Lord was using that as a picture to paint for us. Just like that's coming to an end. If you'll believe this word, if you'll receive this word, then things that have held on in your life for too long, sicknesses and diseases that have been around, weaknesses in the body that have just hung on and hung on year after year after year. Those things, if you'll believe this word will come to an end. And as the Lord talked to us about it, we've come to realize it's not just something in the physical body, but, but shortage and lack that's hung around in your life and family for too long. If you believe this word, it's coming to an end. Amen. Strife in the home. If you'll hold on to this word that we have from the Lord, those things will come to an end. And as they end, life more abundantly can begin. But I want to go back today to exactly what the Lord said. When he said it, it was back in November of 2020. Sickness and disease is coming to an end. And this is the beginning of life more abundantly. Jesus said here in John 10 that the thief does not come except to. So this is the only reason Satan comes in anybody's life. To steal, to kill, and to destroy. And what I want to talk about this morning, this is a healing day here at Legacy Church. I want to let the word of God go to work in your heart and mind. And there may, there may be some 
mind change, some mind renewal that's needed along these lines. I want you today to start thinking differently concerning sickness, concerning disease. I want you to think of sickness for what it is. It's a thief. It's a thief. Sickness and disease comes in the life of any person. And it comes as a thief to steal joy, to steal strength, to rob you of your time, right? To rob you of finances, to rob you of purpose. Sickness is a thief. And the reason I say that is because you would never tolerate a thief in your house. You wouldn't sit on the couch, right? Watching TV while some stranger came through your house, bagging up all your stuff. You wouldn't tolerate that. You wouldn't sit there and just let it happen. You do something about it. And what I'm telling you this morning is we need to come to a place where we stop tolerating the thief in the house. It's amazing to me how much people, Christian people, will just put up with. They'll just tolerate it. And not just tolerate it, but actually make place for it. Make excuse for it, make room for it, and get to the point where they just call it life. And Satan has so deceived people and tricked people into believing something other about sickness and disease, believing something other than, hey, this is a thief come to rob me of my time, come to rob me of my joy, come to rob me of my family, come to rob me of my strength and my finances. He's got people believing, you know, daddy had it and I do too. He's got people believing this is just part of living and you just put up with this stuff. Would you just put up with somebody walking through your house, stealing your stuff? Would you put up with that same dude coming back day after day after day to get more stuff? If you would, you're a fool. If you would, you're a fool. It's time to come to the same place in our lives concerning anything that's trying to rob from us. We recognize it for what it is. Sickness is a thief. Can you see how that's a different approach to it than most of the rest of this world? They just tolerate it, put up with it. And many people, the longer it hangs around, the more they get used to it and they kind of get, uh, I don't know, a little bit happy about the, uh, the conveniences that it affords them. If nothing else, the pity they get from people. People can fall in love with their own sickness but they're just putting up with a thief, robbing them day after day after day. So here's the first thing we got to do in our minds is change the way we're thinking about. This is a thief and I'm not tolerating it in my life. Number two, we need to recognize sickness is death. It's death. Let me tell you what I mean by that. When we think in terms or talk in terms of death and life, we usually, if you'll stop and think about it, you'll realize you're thinking dead or alive. 
When we talk in terms of death and life, if you think, you'll realize, okay, I'm, what I'm really thinking here is dead or alive. But the Bible said death and life is in the power of the tongue. They that love it will eat the fruit thereof. That doesn't just mean you say something negative and you're dead. <laughs> right? There's a difference between death and life and dead or alive. Sickness is death. It may just be a small measure of it. But if that, that thing that starts as a small measure of death in the body, if it's allowed to go unchecked, unresisted, either by the immune system or by natural medication or by the word of God, if it goes unresisted, that small measure of death will grow and grow and grow. And a, a body, a body can have death working in it while it's up moving around. Can you see the difference between death and life and dead or alive? If that measure of death is allowed to grow and grow and grow and grow unresisted, unchecked, it will eventually grow to the point where there's more death than life working in the body and life will eventually lose that tug of war, if you will. And somebody is dead once there's more death than life. Once there's no life left, and the only thing that's in there is death, that's when somebody arrives at that place we call dead. Are you understanding what I'm saying? The reason I say that is, again, why would you put up with any death working in you at all? Hmm? Why would we tolerate death when Jesus just told us that his whole purpose in coming was so that you'd have life? But again, that's more than just being alive, right? He wants you having life and having it more abundantly. What's that mean? More life than death working in you all the time. So that when a measure of death tries to show up, the life that's in you goes, what are you doing in here? You got no right in here. You got no place in here. And that life in you is so much bigger, so much more abundant, so much stronger than any death trying to work that it totally flushes out death. But see, if you just are willing to put up with this stuff, huh? Oh, it's just, it's just a seasonal thing. It's just a 24 hour deal. Folks, I got better things to do with 24 hours than to be laying flat on my back, right? Or to be in the floor hurting in pain. I got better things to do with my time. You've got better things to do with your time than to let 24 hours be robbed of you. But it's going to have to require a mind change, a, a renewal of the mind so that when this stuff shows up in any measure, I don't care if we're talking about a common cold or a cancer diagnosis, it shows up in any measure you identify. That's a thief. And I refuse to be robbed from. You will not steal from me. And you recognize that's death. And I'm a born again believer full of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus came to give me his life and to give it to me more abundantly. That's where the resistance begins. Are you with me? The New Living Translation of John 10 said, uh, 
The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Part of living a rich life is being rich in health, to being rich in strength. And that's why we spent a number of weeks in a row talking about the things that the scripture identifies as worth more than your money. And one of those things is your health. Your health is worth more than your money. Amen. That's kind of what, that's, that's kind of the response people give you when you, and you, if you made it, if you had them choose, you want strong health or a lot of money. Man, I don't know. It should be no question because the Bible identifies health as something worth more than riches. What good is the money? If you're laying so weak, or so, so weak and so sick in bed, you can't do anything with it. There's no joy. There's no strength to enjoy it. Everybody say this. My health, my health is, worth more is worth more than my money. Than my money. All right. Just chew on it. If you don't believe it, just hang around. So if Jesus' purpose in coming was to give us a rich and a satisfying life, the next question is, where do we go to get it? And we looked at John chapter six, verse 63. Don't turn there. We'll uh, just review this a little bit. Jesus said this, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits how much? Nothing. Nothing. The words, everybody say the words. The words words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. Say it again. The words. words. Whose words? Jesus' words. The word of God, his words. This is the, one of the distinguishing characteristics that, that make his words different than any words ever spoken by anybody. His words are spirit and his words have something in them that other words don't have. His words have something in them that all other words lack. You want to know what it is? Life. Life. His words are life. John chapter one, verse one says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. Him who? The word, the word. All things were made through the word. God said, light be. And there was, it was words. It was faith filled words that created. And they're still doing the same thing today. All things were made through him, the word, and without him, without the word, was nothing made that was made. In him, in the word, was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness doesn't comprehend it. Other translations say the darkness can't overcome it. The darkness can't overcome the light that's in the word. Verse 14 of John chapter 1 says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. The word of God is more than just this book sitting on your lap or on your coffee table or in the dashboard of your car. The word is Jesus. Jesus is the word. He's the word made flesh. And we saw last week from 1 Peter chapter 1, I'm just going to go over some of these verses again. It says, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible 
through the word of God, which lives and abides forever because all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man as of the flower of the grass, the grass withers and its flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. So Jesus is the word made flesh. The word of God is a seed. Everybody say a seed. You remember we talked about the seed and our need for seed last week. Everything you need is already in the seed. Beginning with your salvation. We were born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. Means it cannot die, it cannot fail. That's how you were born again. When you made Jesus the Lord of your life, there was a seed planted in your spirit on the inside and there was life in it. And in that seed, the seed of the word of God, it contains everything you need in this life. It contains your salvation. It's got your healing in it. It's got your deliverance, your peace, your joy, your prosperity, your provision, your restoration, your recovery. Everything you need is in the seed. It's in the seed of the word of God. And we've been born again by that seed. And I'll remind you what we said last week, what we want you to get as much or more than anything else in your time in this church, what we want you to develop is a love for the word of God, a value for the word of God. We want you to be in an atmosphere that teaches you and your children and trains them up in such a way that they run to the word of God. Anytime a need presents itself in any area, any arena of life, they run to the word. You run to the word of God and you esteem his word higher than anybody else's word. You esteem his word higher than the word of your doctor, your lawyer, your banker. You esteem his word higher than the voice of your own flesh. You run to the word. And anytime a need presents itself in your life, the first thing on your mind is what does the word say about it? What has God already said about what I'm dealing with right now? But that has to be trained in us. I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing how many believers and how many people that, that would claim to have a respect and would claim to have an honor for God that the moment the pressure is on and you try to talk to them about what the word says, the only thing they can come back with is, yeah, but, yeah, but. Yeah, but I feel this. And yeah, but, I, but I, I'm going through that. And yeah, but this is what it looks like. And yeah, but this is what it feels like. And you're going, yeah, but the word. Yeah, but what did God, what did God said? And some of the most frustrating conversations I've ever had as a minister is with people where you're giving them the word and there's just this refusal to accept it. And it's like, you know what, man? If we can't put a common value on what we believe to be the most important, how, we, how can we communicate? How can we share in anything? And what we want you to get from every time you walk through those doors and through every service you're a part of is that you leave with this new value and this new love for the word of God. And you esteem it so highly that you give it first word and last word and every word in between. Amen? This is a different way of living life. But why would we put so much emphasis on this? Because there's life. There's life in them, their words. <laughs> there's something in those words that you can't find in any other words. 
they are spirit, and they are life. Somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. So I told you this is healing day. Go with me to uh, the book of Psalms. Psalm 107. Thank you, Lord. I've probably got enough for three or four weeks material up here. So just believe God with me today that we get to exactly the right thing and what he once said. And and let me mention this while we're at it. There's no way to cover in a service or two or 10 or a hundred. Everything that the word of God has to say about what we're dealing with today. You can't get it all in. Number one, you don't know it all. I don't know it all. But even what we have seen and what we have learned, the more you the more you look at the word of God through the lens of his goodness and and the lens of uh, of him adding life to you, the bigger it gets. And the, the more you look, the more you see it's everywhere through this thing. And you just feel so bad for people who fight it. People who want to fight you on God's will to heal you. Why fight that? I'll tell you why they fight it. Number one, I'll tell you what they won't fight is God's will to save It would be hard to find a Christian in a church anywhere this morning that would fight you and tell you, no, it's not God's will for somebody to be saved. I mean, the scripture says that that God wills that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And people are quick to believe and quick to accept it. But I think one of the reasons they're so quick to believe that is because that entire salvation experience, so-called, takes place in the unseen. But the moment you start talking to people about reaching into the unseen and bringing some of that over here into the world, you can see it. They they fight you on it. And a big part of the reason people fight this, this message of the, of God's will to heal is because of either their, theirs or someone else's experience. But you've got to come to the place where you don't care who experienced what or failed to experience what. If you see it in the word, you believe it, you accept it as the truth, and you receive it by faith. And and you get to the place where you do not care if people who you know love God, people you know have been used mightily of God, So what if they didn't receive something? That doesn't mean you can't. It doesn't mean you respect them any less, but you don't use somebody else's experience to limit your expectation. Oh, come on. Are you listening to this? Don't use somebody else's experience to limit your expectation and don't even use your own experience to limit expectation. If you haven't experienced some of these things we're talking about, fine. You see it in the word and you say, I will believe this until I experience it. But don't let it be limited by what somebody else hasn't seen. Are you listening? You understand what I'm saying? Psalm 107. Look at verse 17. 
says fools because of their transgression. That means sin because of their iniquities were afflicted. And this word affliction, you look it up, it literally means depression. It means misery, trouble of any kind. It also means poverty. That's what this word afflicted means. And of course, you could put sickness right in the middle of that because that's what it is. It's trouble. Sickness is trouble. Uh, the New Testament in the book of Acts says how God anointed Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And he went, and, he went about doing good, doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Sickness is oppression. It's satanic oppression. And Jesus went about doing good, adding more of that to people. No, he went about doing good, taking that stuff off of people. It's affliction. It's oppression. And he said, fools, because of their own sin, they're afflicted. Now that gives you an idea right there of how sickness got into the earth to begin with. There, there was none. You go back and look at the Genesis account and you cannot find a day where God said, let there be pneumonia. Let there be diabetes. Let there be COVID. You can't find it. So how did it get in? Well, when man sinned, through sin, death entered. And what is sickness? It is death. That's where it got in, through sin. And it says here, fools, because of their sin, they're afflicted. It says in verse 18, their soul abhorred all manner of food, so sick they can't even eat. And they drew near to the gates of death. Now that's getting close, isn't it? There's so much death at work in this body that they're getting closer and closer and closer to the gates of death. And man, you go through that gate, and it's not just death working, it's dead through that gate. But notice what happened. Verse 19, they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he did what? He punished them because of their sin. He said, no, you brought this on yourself. You, you live in this for a little while. He said, I'm gonna teach you something, hold on. No, they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them. He's good, isn't he? He's merciful, isn't he? He saved them out of their distresses. Verse 20, he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Sickness, disease, affliction is trying to result in total and utter destruction. But when we learn to cry out to the Lord in the middle of all that, he saves and he heals. He saves and he, he does he just save? What else does he do? He heals. He saves and he heals. Now what's the agency of that healing? He sent his, say it with me, word. He sent his word and he healed them and he delivered them from all their destructions. Flip over a few pages and go to Psalm 119. Let me just lay a little bit of foundation here 
and we'll get to something good. It's all good though, isn't it? Psalm 119, the longest chapter in the Bible. Let's just read all of it. I'm just kidding. That's nervous laughter right there. We're not going to read it all, but virtually every verse in this chapter, it do you good to read it sometime because every single verse is about one thing, the word of God. It's about David's love for the word. It's about his value and his honor for the word. And he uses so many different words to talk about the word. He talks about God's judgments and his testimonies and his statutes. But every verse of this longest chapter in the Bible is about the word of God. And in verse 150, it says, oh, is that right? Let me see. No, excuse me, 50, not 150. Psalm 119, 50 says, this is my comfort in my affliction. Now, what do we just learn about affliction? Depression, misery, trouble, sickness, poverty. This is my comfort in my affliction for your word has given me life. There's your comfort right there. Where do I go when there's some measure of death trying to work in me, trying to work in my family? Where do I go to get life and to get so much of it that it drives it out of this temple? Where do I go? I go to the word. Why? Because your word has given me life. And he says, it's my comfort, which means to me, I don't even have to feel a change to know that one's coming. The word comforts me with that. Now let's look at just a few verses through this Psalm. You can just listen to this or try to keep up with me, but I am just going to read a few verses to you here in the new, or excuse me, in the King James Bible. When you read this Psalm, you see this word come up over and over quicken, 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 quicken me. He said, according to your word, quicken me according to your loving kindness. You know what quicken means means bring to life. Really? It means bring back to life. And in the new King James, you see it translated like this. Look at verse 25. He said, my soul clings to the dust. What a picture that is, huh? That's the, that's the soul trying to die, trying to go back to the ground, clinging to the dust. And what does he say? Revive me according to your word. This is how the new King James translates it. King James says, quicken. You're going to see here over and over in these verses, revive me. Somebody say revive. revive. You know what it is to be revived? It's to be brought back to life, to life again. Vive. Do we have any Spanish speaking people in here? V-I-V-E. Vive. What is it? Life. Re. Life. Life again. Look at how many verses just in this one chapter deal with being revived. Verse 37, he said, turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things. And every time you see these words, I want you to say it with me. Revive me in your way. It's another word of saying his word. Another way of saying his word. Verse 40, he said, behold, I long for your precepts or I long for your word. What does he say next? Revive me in your righteousness. Verse 88, revive me, he said, say it, revive me according to your loving kindness so that I may keep the testimony of your mouth. What is that? The word. 
testimony of your mouth, your words. Uh, Verse 107, I am afflicted very much. Revive me, O Lord, according to your word. 149, hear my voice according to your loving kindness. O Lord, revive me according to your justice. 154, plead my cause and redeem me. Revive me according to your word. Great, uh, verse 156, great are your tender mercies, O Lord. Revive me according to your judgments. And then finally, verse 159, consider how I love your precepts. What is that? The word. Consider how I love your word. And then what do he say? Revive me. Now, folks, you can't say revive me like this. Revive me. (laughs) Now, come on. What did he say? Revive Revive me. You got to stir yourself up a little bit. Revive me, he said, according to your loving kindness. Over and over. Revive, revive, revive. Come on, David's about to have his own little personal revival here in the word of God. And you see it. You can hear it in his voice. My soul clings to the dust. I am afflicted very much. This is some honesty about where he is, where he's been, what he's been going through. But sadly, many people and a lot of believers just sort of talk about that. My soul clings to the dust. And you just want to say, but no, that's it. I'm afflicted very much. No, no, that's all. Just afflicted. Even if you are in that state, you can't end the sentence there. You got to cry out to the Lord in your distress and you got to say what? Revive me, Lord, according to his word. Man, we've all seen it, right? We've all seen the, the medical dramas or the movies, or maybe you've even witnessed it in person. If you're a, a doctor, an ER doctor or nurse, and what happens? Somebody goes into cardiac arrest, right? And they're in that restaurant and they, they fall over and they're lifeless. They're not moving. And, and somebody says, is there a doctor in the house? And then they, they, they rush in the EMTs and, and inevitably somebody comes in and they got those two paddles right? And what are they, what are they called? Defibrillator. And they, I don't know if this is what you actually do, but it looks good in the movies. They hit those things together. Evidently this is something. This is how you do it. And then what do they, they shout? Clear. Why? Cause we about to send a thousand volts through this body. And they put those paddles on that chest and clear, pow, and that body just jolts. They do it again and it jolts again. And they do it and they do it until what? That body does what? It does what? It comes back to life. Back to life. And then they say, it's alive. (laughs) Sorry, that's a different different movie. (laughs) It's alive. Come on, you need to say it. It's alive. What's alive? Me. I'm alive. How? Why? I've been revived according to the word of God. Now, I know some of you are going to do this. Tonight, you can go home. You can lay down in bed and make sure nobody's watching. You're going to take this open Bible, Psalm 119. 
and you're just going to say, revive me according to your word. Clear. We're laughing, but that's the power that's in the word of God. Why? It itself is alive. It couldn't bring life to you unless there was life in it. The word of God is alive, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to divide asunder the, the, the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow. It's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. This thing is alive and it'll quicken you. And you don't have to wait until, until you're standing at the gates of death at the first sign of any measure of, of sickness, any measure of death, any, any sign of the thief, man, you can run straight to the word of God and you can begin that reviving power going to work on the inside of you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Let's put this on the screen for us. Proverbs chapter four. This is another one of those places, such an important scripture concerning our healing and how to receive healing. In Proverbs chapter four, verse 20, the Bible says this, my son, give attention to what? My words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not, not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they, they what? No, no, they, they what? What's he talking about? They, the words. The words are life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. Now, what was the first thing he said to him in verse 20? My son, do what? Attend or pay attention. Why would a father have to say to his son, Hey, pay attention. Why would he have to say that? Cause you ain't been paying attention. And if you look through the book of Proverbs, it's not just here. It's over and over and over. Hearken, attend to this. Pay attention to what I'm saying. Remember what I'm telling you. Pay attention, pay attention, pay attention. I mean, it takes me back to childhood, man. Some conversations, some very one-sided conversations that I had with mom and dad. And I used to look at this book of Proverbs as, you know, 31 chapters, a, a life of wisdom passed from father to son. But then I got to thinking about some of the lectures I got as a kid. This might have been one conversation. <laughs> this might have been the, the, the author of this book just talking and talking and talking and talking. I've been there. I've heard some of that. But what he had to say over and over and over, pay attention, pay attention. If there were only one thing to look at, if there were only one thing to listen to, he wouldn't have to tell us to pay attention because there'd be no distraction. There'd be nothing else to listen to. There'd be nothing else to look at. But the truth is there are many, 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 many things that are begging for your attention. 
that are begging for your focus, begging for your ear, all so that they can have access to your heart. And this is why he had to say to him over and over. And it's why he says to us over and over, pay attention, pay attention. Don't get distracted. Don't be distracted. We know that distractions can be dangerous. People get hurt just from not paying attention. Somebody, somebody can just bump into you, run right into you in the store. You're just walking around. Somebody say, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't see you. Why didn't they see you? They weren't paying attention. And sad to say, man, we have invented things that distract us. That beg for our attention and we give it. But when it comes to receiving really anything from God, but specifically the healing of your body, does it matter what you're paying attention to? He said, my son, pay attention to my word. That, that's him saying, treat my word like it's valuable. Treat my word like it's worthy of your attention. Then he talks to us about how to pay attention. How do you give attention to it? You incline your ear to it. I was thinking about this, you know, Sarah and I have two little kids, Justice and Jesse, and I can be in the deepest sleep. And if I hear one of their voices from across the house, daddy, man, I'm up because my ears tuned to it. I could be in a crowd of people in a store out in a crowd. But if I hear that voice, if I hear my wife's voice or my children's voice, that voice will get my attention above all the others. And if they just keep talking, I, can, I am so attuned to those voices that if I'll just keep listening, I can find them. I can find them in the crowd. That's what it means to incline your ear to his sayings. Keep them in front of your eyes, he said. Let them not depart from your eyes. That's not a passing glance. That's a steady gaze. That's a steady stare. And when there's a measure of death trying to work in your body, it requires more than a passing glance at the word of God. You want that stuff driven out of you? It requires from you a steady gaze at the word, which includes a steady gaze at the word made flesh. Eyes on Jesus. This is how you attend to his word. But notice what he said. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. What does that do for you when I put the emphasis there? That should communicate to you and to me that there are other words that you could be paying attention to. There are other sayings that could have your affection. And what the father is saying is, come on, hey, right here, right here. Come on, look, my words, my sayings. Why, God? Because there's something in mine that all others lack. There's something mine will do for you that no others can. You need life at work in there? Come on, my words. You you need life more abundantly at work in you? My words. My words. Get over here on my words. Attend to mine. Listen to mine. Keep them in front of your eyes. He said, keep them in the midst of your heart, which means based on what you're paying attention to, what, what could have been in your heart at one point can leave. But you got to keep them there. How do you keep it in the midst of your heart? Keeping your eyes on it. Keeping your ears on it. 
I'll make a really radical statement to you. I know this will be really controversial and I don't know how you'll feel about it, but I'm going to say it with boldness. I happen to believe that Christians should read their Bibles. No, listen, like regularly. I would go as far as to say every day. Now I know, I know, I know. I'm a radical. I'm a zealot. I'm an extremist. But I wonder, I wonder if there'd be anybody in this room that would allow us to experiment on them. I don't want to call you a lab rat, but that's kind of what I'm talking about. Somebody who would commit to putting their eyes on scripture every day for the next year. Just, just, I, I'm just going to make a commitment. I, I'm going to, I'm going to set my eyes on the word. I'm going to look at something Jesus said every day. And I'm going to see if I'm not a different person a year from now. I'm going to see if I'm not walking in a, in a new and a greater measure and degree of life than I am right now. I'm going to tell you from firsthand experience, I don't need, I don't need an experiment. I've tried it in my own life. Set your eyes on the word of God. Why would anybody do that out of habit, out of tradition, out of religion? No, if that's the way you're going about it, it won't do anything. But if you will put your eyes on the word of God in faith, believing that there's life in it, it's not until the word is mixed with faith that it will actually do anything in your life. Do you notice he said, my words are life to those that find them. That means his word is life, but it's not just life to anybody. Huh? His words are life to those that find them. What is finding the result of seeking, looking for? It's kind of like saying, man, I got this infection in my body. I don't understand. They invented antibiotics years ago. Why do I still have an infection? Well, just because they've invented the medicine doesn't mean that thing's doing any good in you until what? Until you get it in you. And just because his word is life doesn't mean it's doing anything in you. Not until you follow the directions on the bottle. What do the directions say? Attend to word daily. Keep in front of eyes. Keep going in ears. Keep in midst of heart. Those are the directions on the bottle. And you got to take it and you got to take it and you got to take it. His words are life to those that find them. His words health, but it's not health to everybody's flesh. It's health to their flesh. Who's the ones that found them, the ones that valued them, the ones that honored them. Musicians, you guys come on back up. You're going to help me with something here in just a moment. The Bible says in first Thessalonians chapter two, verse 13, For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. Can you hear that again? 
the word of God. He said, we're thanking God for you because you heard the word and you received the word, not as the word of men, but as the word of God. And we've already established this. God's words do something men's words can't. They minister life. The flesh profits how much? Nothing. But his words are spirit and they are life. When you welcome them, you believe them, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. How do you get the word to work in your life? You ready? This is deep. You believe it. You believe it. You attend to it. And this is the story of my childhood. I'm thankful that it is, but I can't tell you the number of times where I might've come in to mom and dad's room, either in the middle of the night or early in the morning and said, I don't feel good. And a lot of kids will try to play that card to get out of something. In that house, you thought twice <laughs> before saying, I don't feel good because it was not about to be all oh, baby. God love its little heart. Come here, let mama hold you. My mom was kind and good and gracious and all that, but that is not how we responded to sickness. If Jeremy said, I don't feel good, man, it was covers off, lights on. Jeremy, get your Bible. Jeremy, get your tapes. Come on, get out here in this living room and say this after me. Say, I am redeemed from the curse of the law. I'm redeemed from the... Say it like you mean it, boy. By the stripes of Jesus, I am. By the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. <laughs> and at the first sign of this stuff, we went to the word. Why? Because we believed the word and we believed that when you believe the word, that's when it goes to work in you. Come on, I want you to say this. The word is working. The word's working. And that what he said, it's working effectively in you. It's doing something. It's changing something in you. The word is working. The word is working. It's working in me. You know the word that you've heard this morning? If you believed it, it's working in you right now. It's doing something in you. It's changing it's something in you. The life that you believed and you received today is driving out death in any measure, in any degree. Don't put up with that stuff. Don't tolerate that stuff. Don't let that thief walk through your house, taking your time, taking your energy, taking your strength, taking your money. Don't let him have your stuff. Don't put up with it another day. Resist it. Come on, resist it. Don't let death grow in any measure in your body. What do you resist it with? The word, the word, the word. Stand up on your feet. I'm going to give you a little taste of what it was like growing up in the house of faith. My mom had this little mini book by a man named Charles Caps, And it was called God's Creative Power. Times they are changing. I got the book on my phone. And I can't tell you how many times since Sarah and I have been married, that we've come straight back to this. There's a collection of confessions in that book. It's just a little book. You can get it uh, maybe for a dollar in the uh, bookstore, the uh, electronic bookstore. And I encourage you to do it. And all he did was take scriptures and scriptural concepts and put them in 
first person confession. And we've gone back to this countless times at the first sign of anything. The kids come in not feeling good. Something got on them. It's running a fever. It got some pain in the body. This is what we do. We run to the word. Run. And I use that word on purpose. I'm telling you, go quick. If you will run to it, you won't go anywhere else first. So here's what we're going to do just for a couple of minutes. You got just a minute? I'm going to lead you in this and you're going to say some things after me. And I want you to put some faith in it and let it come out of your heart. This is the word coming out of your mouth and watch as it ministers strength to your body. Just say this after me. Jesus is the Lord of my life. life. Sickness and disease disease. have no power over me. me. I am forgiven forgiven. and free from sin and guilt. I am dead to sin sin. and alive unto righteousness. I am free from unforgiveness and strife. I forgive others as Christ has forgiven me for the love of God is shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost. Jesus bore my sins in his body on the tree. Therefore, I am dead to sin and alive unto God. And by his stripes, I am healed and made whole. Jesus bore my sickness and carried my pain. Therefore, I give no place to sickness or pain. For God sent his word and healed me. Father, because of your word, I am an overcomer. I overcome the world the flesh flesh. and the devil devil. by the blood of the lamb lamb. and the word of my testimony. testimony. You have given me abundant life. life. I receive that life life. through your word word. and it flows to every organ of my body, body. bringing healing and health. I attend to your word. I incline my ear to your sayings. I'll not let them depart from my eyes. I keep them in the midst of my heart for they are life and healing to all my flesh. I am redeemed from the curse. Galatians 3.13 is flowing in my bloodstream. It flows to every cell of my body, restoring life and health. Jesus took my infirmities. He bore my sicknesses. Therefore, I refuse. Say it again. I refuse. That's what we were talking about today. Not just refusing it, not tolerating it, not putting up with it. I refuse to allow sickness to dominate my body. The life of God flows in me, bringing healing to every fiber of my being. My body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. 
God dwells in me. And his life. Come on, put your hands right here, right here in your, in, in your stomach, in your midsection. Say, his life permeates my spirit, my soul, and my body. I am filled with the fullness of God. Heavenly Father, through your word, you've imparted your life to me. That life restores my body with every breath I breathe and every word I speak. And the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in me, permeating his life through my veins, through my veins, sending healing throughout my body. Lord, you have blessed my food and water You've taken sickness away from me. me. Therefore, Therefore, I will fulfill fulfill the number of my days days in life, in in health, health, and peace. peace. I will not die. I will will live live and declare the works of the Lord. Lord. Now just lift your hands and begin to praise him and thank him. His life is working. His life is working. His life is working. Come on, guys. His life is working. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Your life's at work. The Word is working. You need to say that all the time. The Word is working. The Word is working in me. Yeah, but what about when I don't feel it? His Word is working in me. What about when I don't see it? The Word is working. The Word is working. What about when it looks like it's getting worse? The Word is working. The word is working. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Abraham, not being weak in faith, considered not his own body now dead, nor the deadness of Sarah's womb, but he was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. You got to change what you're considering. If the symptoms are talking to you, if the pain's talking to you, what do you do? You incline your ear, not to that, to his word. Huh? If the lack is out here in front of your eyes, what do you do? You get your eyes over on the word because there's life in that. Nothing but death in the rest of this. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you need someone to pray with you, there are several ways for you to contact us. Feel free to give us a call at 817-577-0180. You can also contact us through the Legacy Studios app or either of our websites. Giving options are available online at pearsonsministries.com and legacychurch.family. If you prefer, you can also text an offering. Simply text LEGACY in any dollar amount to the number 28950 and follow the prompts. Be blessed today. We love you, and remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.